0: It's time to set aside the superficial. It's time to go deeper. It's time to engage in truth. Here's John Bornstein.
1: Well, everybody, welcome back to Engage in Truth. This is John Bornstein. I'm a senior pastor of Calvary Fellowship Fountain Valley Church right here in Colorado Springs. I'm thrilled that you're tuning in today because we have some serious matters to discuss. We have been talking about a number of subjects related to the armor of God and even life purpose. Last week we talked about the seriousness of communication and how to be more effective in that for the glory of God and to His glorious purposes. But today we need to deviate and talk about some matters at hand and what is going on globally right now, especially what is taking place right here in these United States. As we know, the Convoy for Freedom is headed to Washington, D.C. The National Guard had been called up as a result. We see that inflation is spiking And the market seems to be headed to correction. Oil prices are surging. China continues to violate human rights, national security, and open waters. They seem to be putting the pressure on Taiwan. The list goes on and on. And so we just couldn't turn a blind eye and deaf ear to all of these matters. Late Wednesday, February 23rd, breaking news reported that Russia began attacking key military sites in Ukraine. It was the news that we all hoped would not be coming. But deep in our hearts, I believe that many of us suspected it would take place. When you have the amassing of troops that Russia was doing right there at the borders, we thought, well, maybe they're just trying to put some military power behind their threats, and and ultimately there would be peace that would ensue, and that was not the case. The battle began Much earlier, as we know, going back even past January, but certainly in January of 2022, we know that there were cyber attacks and the propaganda began to just continue to escalate. And and Dr. Ford is here with me in the studio to talk about these matters because what we have seen is an influx of questions people inquiring about end times? Is what we're seeing somehow related to end time events? And is it something that we need to keep in mind as we look to the coming king's glorious return to this earth? And I know that we always need to be looking up. And it is important to turn to scriptures because as we see, there are building blocks toward the coming of our king. And we know that some of these events may not be directly cited in scripture, but indeed there is an escalation of Brewing to the return of the king the birth pangs are well in effect and it is bringing us all closer together in the body of Christ to at least ask these important questions so again to help me do this Dr Steve Ford is back in the studio with me Dr Ford welcome back to engage in truth thank you
0: John it is so exciting as we talk about the possibility of prophecy being fulfilled in our lifetime and mm. and we just so look forward to the return of Christ and have our eyes set on his return and on his coming and But I I think this really sort of, I don't know how to say it, except sort of puts the flesh on the bones. It's like, we want all these things to happen. But as you covered for us, as we discussed the book of Revelation, there is so much human trauma and tragedy that Mm. happens as the coming of Christ approaches. That's right. I mean, true and real need, hurt, and suffering. And that's what we're seeing right now with Ukraine. And one of the things that I was really struck by is, you can have brothers in Christ on both sides of this battle, right. um, you know, being put in a, in a situation of, of, of being at odds and even in combat with each other. And I find that also tremendously distressing.
1: Yeah. Well, what I have loved to see through all of this, though, is that there is this glimmer of hope that we're seeing Ukrainian Christians. Yeah who have gathered in subway stations, so who awesome. have taken communion outside. They are making a statement for their faith in the midst of a situation that seems hopeless, right? It seems bleak at times. Uh, it's hard to perhaps see that glimmer of hope in it. But yet what we're seeing, the the world is seeing, are people who are turning to Jesus Christ in droves as their hope, as that uh, just a ray of sunshine in the midst of the darkness of a, of a stormy clouds that are upon them. And yet that is truth for all of us, not right. just there in Ukraine, but every day around the world. We're united as brothers and sisters in Christ. And my heart aches for them. And certainly I feel like I want to do something about it. Yeah. And I know that there's great power in prayer. That's where the Lord draws me to. There are a number of ways that people are getting involved, not only praying and fasting, which we know, boy, we dare not undermine or underestimate that, that that is the mountain moving power of prayer that God has given to us to move in the affairs of men as he moves mightily. But we also know that there are a number of ways we can get connected in in sending aid and support to them and encouragement to them.
0: But you're so right with the power of prayer, we even... Uh, commented on that when we talked about the full armor of God. That's right. The importance of underlying and emphasizing prayer and all that, and utilizing that armor. Yeah, that's
1: right. And and so let me just take us down a little history lane here because it it concerned me when I started to see these events unfold that as students of history and we try to go back and see what history has to reveal to us, especially as we look at Bible prophecy. Uh, You know, it's important that we understand what has transpired, because it seems that we're caught in this endless cycle of repetition since the Tower of Babel, that the nations tend to repeat what the nations before them had done, and and their areas of failure are repeated again. Rather than us learning from our failures in the past, we just seem to be doomed to repeat it, and I think that's just a sin nature. We're in this endless cycle of destruction because of sin, and so Rome didn't learn anything from Greece and the United States certainly hasn't learned anything from Rome, right? They weren't beat necessarily militarily. They were beat economically. They were beat with immorality. Right. They were defeated from within, yeah, from the loaded. debauchery that, that destroyed them and the, and the the division that ensued within their nations. And so we, we just see that the, we're repeating an awful lot here. But if we go back in time, we see a, some eerie familiarity to all of this. And going back to March 12th of 1938 – We see that there were German troops who are marching into Austria to annex the German speaking nation for the Third Reich. And then throughout the rise of Hitler's regime, we see that France and Great Britain were trying to follow this policy of appeasement. It was almost like a land for peace exchange. We see that tactic in Israel an awful lot. Just give us more land and we'll promise you some artificial or, you know, a lie of peace that, that they know that peace will not ensue. Maybe it appeases them for a few months and then the battle begins again. And so they kept making these limited concessions to the German demands, and that didn't detour Hitler at all. He had his eyes set on his own prize, a greater Germany, he often called it. So in September of 1938, he turned his attention to the three million Germans who were living in Czechoslovakia, and he sliced the country in half as he annexed what he called greater Germany. He then moved right through Bohemia and Moravia without resistance. And on March 15th, 1939, he continued his assault. Then on September 1st, 1939, Hitler attacked Poland and formed a pact with Russia to divide up the country. That came just 5 years after Hitler signed a non-aggression pact with Poland in January of 1934. So that pact was worthless. He had his eyes set on his own prize. He was going to amass all of this land unto himself. It was feeding his pride at this point to amass all of these territories that he believed were his, and Poland was decimated after only 16 days, and by October 6th, the last of the Polish resistance ended, and World War II was officially underway. And in each of those actions, it's interesting, we look back through the history books here, before World War II, it was even declared, Hitler used propaganda to justify taking neighboring nations. So we can see that this is just history repeating itself with another dictator who wants to amass all of these nations back to the USSR, quite frankly.
0: Yeah, yeah, I totally agree. It's like Ronald Reagan said, history teaches that people don't learn from history. So (laughs) like you said, we just see this cycle again and again and again. And I don't know if you are a student of history, especially 20th century history. I don't know how you could not have been struck by these events in regards to what we saw with Nazi Germany.
1: Yeah, and it just breaks my heart because I, with the questions coming in by email and text and phone calls and in this clamoring of help me to understand by way of the Bible how to navigate all of this. I think in the midst of this, though, people are really uh, concerned for where is the United States in this? Right. We're not standing up to the bullies like we used to with the greatest generations we are willing to sacrifice all for the greater causes uh, to to beat down the bullies, to to fight for the defenseless, right? And, and to willing to, I mean, we saw families who were sacrificing, even tires on cars. And of course, unfortunately, we see the women were going into the workplace, abandoning the home front and the, the detrimental effects of that, a cascading effect. I'm not saying that all women need to be at home, but certainly the the home structure forever changed after that. But that was the kind of mentality of sacrifice that needed to go into this, we were willing to give our own lives for a cause that was right.
0: What if we lived our Christian walk like that?
1: yeah, what would the world yeah. look
0: like? yeah, yeah.
1: And, you know, and you have to just ask you know have, have we so changed? Has this nation changed because I, I talked to a lot of patriots we 're a church full of patriots and soldiers who are continuing to serve their country and there 's frustration brewing, certainly, and over five hundred thousand people and counting have fled the Ukraine the numbers are staggering. Over 30,000 have been killed since 2014 in this battle with Russia as it's gone over these many years as they've they've annexed various territories that they claim of the Ukraine, that they were pro-Russian populations there, so they could just come in and redraw the lines as they saw fit. And so over 30,000 and counting, and even recently, you've probably seen the articles at the time of this recording, we've read uh, of war crimes that seem to be going out there's just now a callousness toward the populations within these cities the use of fuel air explosives or what they call a vacuum bombs or even cluster bombs these are war crimes they're not to be using those those type of weapons are just brutal hostile they're indiscriminate they're not going after just combatants they're now going after citizens and so a weapon like that sprays fuel into the air and another cluster ignites that So people can burn from the inside out or homes or the air is is on fire, if you will. And you imagine women and children suffering that. This is brutal. And and it should grieve our heart because we're wondering where is America in all of this. The the sanctions are not going to be enough. Sanctions don't stop the bullets right now. And and none of us want to see our loved ones have to go to war. I I mean, I certainly don't want to see my family members have to go to war. But, you know, it comes back to... (laughs) If we're going to stand for democracies, if we're encouraging other countries to stand apart and even to go against their neighbors that may be very pro-socialism and Marxism and supporting their dictators, then we have to be willing to stand with them whether they're part of NATO or not. At least that's my own two cents on this. And so I have to ask the question then, where is America in all of this? Even in prophecy, we just don't see a lot of America mentioned. That's right. Now, there is a mention in Daniel chapter 11 of, of a nation that sends ships to maybe antagonize the Antichrist a bit. We don't know what nation that is. It's a, it's a nation of the West. It eh, very well could be America, but that's not much of a resistance. That's about it. That's all that seems to be mentioned. Uh, We do see in Daniel of of this lion that has wings, and, and some have speculated, could that also be a reference to a future kingdom of Britain with the United States? I mean, that's certainly a possibility. We could spend a lot of time going back to Daniel and looking at the ancient territories and kingdoms that those represented. And Dr. Ford, you and I have talked about this. There's a lot of duality in prophecy. That's right. We'll see a previous kingdom and nation arise, and then that's a foreshadowing of yet another kingdom in the future. Uh, So it even appears that the Antichrist in those days will amass to him the territories that once belonged to the Roman Empire, but it's the feet with clay, the iron mixed with clay. It's not exactly like the Roman Empire. seems to indicate perhaps a neo-Ottoman Empire, But we do realize as we go through Scripture that the Antichrist is not just running through all the nations and all of them just joining him in his desire to take over the world. There are other nations that God will raise up in opposition to him as he tries to amass power to himself. But we don't see a lot of America in Scripture, and I believe that the reason for that is because we see this move, even as the seals are opened in Revelation chapter 6, where God is disrupting the affairs of the nations, where he's bringing hyperinflation, there's death by war and plagues, and and there's even this white horse rider who goes out and he's trying to convince the world he's going to bring peace, but actually he's, uh, through deception, amassing power to himself. And so you wonder, okay, the administrations that we have today, and not just today, but future administrations, seem to be fighting more for a one-world government than they are for American sovereignty. And they're not fighting, as we would see it, for life, liberty, or justice like we used to, but rather they seem to be looking out for this one-world government initiative and the agenda that goes with that. That's hard for us to process, and it... It's important for us to contemplate these things because the reality at the end of the day is that we are Christians, first and foremost, foremost, citizens of another kingdom. We just are in the United States. It wouldn't matter where we're at. Like Ukrainian Christians, those are our brothers and sisters, too. So we happen to be on this side of the the pond and, and serving faithfully, I hope, and making changes, change agents that God has appointed us to be for his glorious kingdom, not because first that we're American and secondly Christian, right. but the other way around. And so we have to also be reminded that 70 empires have come and gone, at least 70. I've read it, the number 72. At least 72 empires have risen and fallen in this period of time of what we call human kingdoms, mankind's kingdoms before the glorious kingdom of Jesus Christ and his thousand-year reign. And, and, and God raises up kingdoms. Yep. He takes them down. He can raise up certain kings to fight against them. He is active in the affairs of men. And one thing I encouraged our church family this weekend was that it, it's God who raises up kings. He takes them down, according to Daniel 2.21. And it's God who rules over kingdoms and gives them to whomever he chooses, according to Daniel 4.17-32, to 32, because the heart of the kings are in his hand, according to Proverbs 21, one. So they're all accountable to him. And they will stand accountable before God for the senseless loss of life, the women and children, all these who have suffered greatly at the hands of a man whose pride is now larger than the country that he rules over. And he's not alone. And he, being Putin, is not alone in this. We see these horrible dictators rising up around the world, and it seems to be intimidating because they're surrounding us more and more all the time, which the Bible warned us about. Right. And Dr. Ford, we talked about it before the program, that prophecy has been loaded with this, that it seems that this nation of Russia and its conglomerate of nations that once formed the USSR even are actually mentioned in the Bible in some way. We don't know for sure, but it seems like it really fits the narrative here of a nation around the Black Sea that's called Magog and led by Gog. And and that's highlighted for us in Ezekiel 38 to 39 specifically. And it's interesting because there's a series of events, and, and maybe we can just highlight this here just in brief, that build up around the end of days, that as God is changing the narrative of things, changing the landscape of the earth, messing with the economy of things. Yes, he's involved in this as he dispatches the four horsemen of Revelation 6. He's messing with the, the dollar value. Uh, There's eight times inflation. There's war. There's rumors of wars, even spoken of in Matthew 24. There's all these things going on that are changing the narrative, changing the stage, preparing it for such a time as this. And then there seems to be a conglomerate of nations, according to Psalm 83, that come against Israel. Isaiah 17 talks about Damascus, Syria being totally wiped out, which is very interesting because we see that Russia... While they've got our attention on Ukraine, they've talked about their allegiance now with Iran. The United States has taken the sanctions off of Iran. They're talking about partnership with Syria. Syria, which Isaiah 17 says Damascus, Syria will be wiped out. So we've got the very beginning of what could be the seven-year tribulation brewing before our eyes, getting ready for this, of this battle that comes against Israel— This world leader comes on the scene and gives them this false sense of hope and peace that he signs a peace treaty with Israel. They have three and a half years of the illusion of peace. Perhaps during this time, they're rebuilding the temple. Now, Three and a half years into the seven-year peace treaty, as we see in the book of Daniel, the Antichrist breaks that treaty with Israel simultaneously. In Ezekiel 38 and 39, it seems like there's a restlessness of this nation of Magog that makes its way down to Israel. God draws them there. And then he deals with that conglomerate of nations that rise up against him with an earthquake as it sees, it says that he brings judgment against them. That lasts all the way up to Armageddon where the nations come together. They're doing battle. They see Jesus Christ come down to the Mount of Olives. They turn all their attention to battle against him, and God puts an end to all of those armies. And then it says that there's throughout this duration, maybe the mid-trib right to the end of that tribulation period as a series of battles concludes at, at Megiddo into Jerusalem and that battlefield stretches on the entire distance of Israel, that Jesus Christ comes down, reigns victoriously. It'll take them seven months to clean up all the bodies, seven years to clean up all of the armament left behind, and the glorious reign of Jesus Christ will begin. And it says then a new temple, a new city, and then a whole new agriculture and a whole new process begins. So in all of this, we see that it's God, who will ultimately stop these evil nations as they rise up against him. We're looking for America to stand in the way of bullies. They could be used. Americans can certainly be used. Our, our our troops, I don't imagine, aren't going to be used in some way. But all the glory belongs to God. The spotlight is on him who brings these dictators to an end and their power grab to an end. That's the the joy that I celebrate in Scripture and and I know that there's quite a bit on that. We can share that with you. But I, I want to encourage our listener with this, Dr. Ford, that there are two suppers of God at the end time, two of them. Here's what it says in Revelation 19, 17 18. Then I saw an angel standing in the sun, and he cried with a loud voice, saying to all the birds that fly in the midst of heaven, come and gather together for the supper of the great God, that you may eat the flesh of kings and flesh of captains, the flesh of mighty men, the flesh of horses and of those who sit on them, and the flesh of all people, free and slave, both small and great. So there's a a feast for the birds, for all that's left over behind from this battlefield. But there's also another feast that's going on simultaneously. In Revelation 19, 9, it says, Then he said to me, Write, Blessed are those who are called to the marriage supper of the Lamb. So this is the marriage feast with Jesus Christ, the bridegroom, who takes his church He comes for his bride. It's a tremendous time of fellowship before he reigns on the earth. And so there's a very vivid picture here that we can enjoy Jesus and supper with Jesus, or we can be the supper, right? right? I mean, that's it. So there's two suppers going on. You're either being eaten or you're eating with the King of Kings, right? right? That seems to be the image there. But we dare not be dismayed. Right? I mean we, we dare not be dismayed by these global events and and Dr. Ford, I know we have we have shared the hope and prophecy that when we read of things like in Isaiah where it talked about Cyrus coming to power, right. his name over mentioned 30 times in the Bible and before he was even born, all of those prophecies were written, his name, where he would lead, what he would do, and how it would all revolve around Israel and furthering the reestablishment of Israel before the man was even born right. And that's just one of thousands of prophecies in Scripture, 355 about Jesus Christ just in his first coming, let alone his second. So if all those prophecies came true, we can be assured that all the prophecies that we read about here in Scripture will come to pass. Therefore, there's no room to be dismayed here. Rather, we've got a glimpse of what's coming, and we celebrate that victory is already assured. He saw all of this. Yep. And so, Dr. Ford, I don't know if you've got an encouragement for us there, but I do would, if you are able, and you've got the notes there in front of you as well, the the passage that really comes to mind is 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 to 5. When we talk about the rapturing of the church, we talk about the peace to all those who come in the name of the Lord and what God has already pre planned for all of us that we are not appointed unto wrath. I don't know if you've got that scripture there in front of you there, but if you would mind reading that, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. Let's start off in verse 13.
0: But I do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning those who have fallen asleep, lest you sorrow as others who have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so, God will bring him those who sleep in Jesus. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain till the coming of the Lord will by no means precede those who are asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And thus we shall always be with the Lord. Therefore, comfort one another with these words.
1: Let me go and add to that chapter 5, verses 1 to 11. It's a wonderful Imagery here of the day of the Lord. It says here, But concerning the times and the seasons, brethren, you have no need that I should write to you. For you yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so comes as a thief in the night. For when they say, Peace and safety, then suddenly destruction comes upon them. That's not us, but upon them. As labor pains upon a pregnant woman. And they shall not escape. But you, brethren, are not in darkness, so that this day should not overtake you as a thief. You are all sons of light and sons of the day. We are not of the night nor of darkness. Therefore, let us not sleep as others do, but let us watch and be sober. For those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who get drunk are drunk at night. But let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love, and as a helmet, the hope of salvation. For God did not appoint us to wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, that whether we wake or sleep, we should live together with him. Therefore comfort each other and edify one another just as you also are doing. Now those powerful words then remind us right away that no matter what, whether we die in service to the Lord, whether we're raptured up, no matter what, God has a mighty plan for us and we will be with him forever. So now is not the time to fear but to pray. We must persevere, be steadfast and immovable in truth, faithful as representatives of Jesus Christ and ready for his gathering of all the saints and his coming rain. So we don't let the sun go down on unconfessed sin and we make wrong situations right in all of our spheres of influence and we do the work of the Lord while there's still day, while there's still time. And we shine the light because our God is greater. Our God is greater. So be encouraged, brothers and sisters, that no matter what is going on in the news today, no matter what you hear all around you, God has seen the end from the, from the very beginning, before he ever gave breath to Adam and Eve, according to Isaiah 46.10. He saw all of this and had a plan through all of it. Yes, even the crucifixion of Jesus Christ, our Lord, to give us all life, He is the only way, the truth, and the life. Do do not be dismayed. Be encouraged that you have a God who loves you, knows you, and if you give your life to the Lord Jesus Christ today, you will be with Him forever, no matter what is going on in this world. We hope you've been encouraged. Thank you for listening to Engage in Truth. This is a ministry of Calvary Fellowship Fountain Valley Church right here in Colorado Springs. You can learn more at calvaryfountain.com and services are 8 a.m. and 10 a.m. We'd love to see you there. God bless you, my friends. Take care.